Hello, mech fans. This is Duncan Fisher. Hold on firmly to your mana potions, fireballs, and familiars, because you are tuning in to your regularly scheduled episode of the First Circuit Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to the First Circuit Podcast, episode number 132. Your hosts today include the usual batch with Lush. Hey, how's it going? Old Pop. Hello. Biden. Hello. And myself, Ian Rosary. We have a Discord issue, so please don't mind video quality if you're watching on YouTube. As for topics today, obviously we're going to talk about the big and exciting news of this week. Um, how the Star Wars Mandalorian managed to not completely botch Sokatano in live action. Oh, wait. No. That was okay. good. No, we're talking about that was good. Oh my god. Wrong franchise. Mandalorian yet. I need to watch that was a already. really good episode. That was franchise. A awesome episode. Wrong franchise. Yeah, we okay. want to talk about okay, BattleTech. So we're going to talk okay. about yeah. uh, MacWare Online, which currently feels like Attack on Titan Season 2. Oh my god, I'm making too many references. <laughs> also, there are big news regarding MacWare 5 and the DLC. Um, Xbox release, MacWire back on Xbox. Uh, yeah. There was some shade thrown uh, towards a Megasault fan base in that statement. Biggest yep. news of the week, PGI has been sold to a Swedish game publisher called EG7. And also there's some news regarding Battletech, tab, Battletech Tabletop and the Kickstarter. So coming up next, let's dive right into MacWire Online. Um, episode 4. The long wait. Episode four, the long wait. Yeah, yeah, actually, because yeah, yeah, it's true. because it's yeah. the fourth update from there yeah. that we're talking about, and oh, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's just talking. You're right. Also, that's right. my second Titan reference because they were just talking in season two. <laughs> season two took forever to come out for that. Dude, you gotta watch it. Oh my god, it's so good. Okay, so. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, they're on update number four. Um, we're recording this on Sunday. Obviously, this podcast is going to air on Monday, by which time you're going to have update number five. And hopefully, you're gonna find something more worthwhile. Update number five what we have right now is they're just reassuring us that they are looking into stuff and asking the community to continue the discussion on the forums. And let's move on because there really wasn't a lot going on there. One little thing was that. You know the the artwork is like him saying, you know, doing what the the hand gesture thing, like yeah. the rock, rock on, on thing, and, and the face is like, yeah. But it's all it is is saying, um, more or less, just uh, talk to forum some more. <laughs> it, it it doesn't feel appropriate compared to last week's one, which is like, yeah. hey, come to the forums, and that was just like Bombadil lurking, and now it's uh, yeah. Well, well, that's his personality though. So like, I I kind of yeah. get the artwork though. You know, kind of get our work there. It's fine. Yeah. Maybe for those who missed it, maybe who have not been watching podcasts or been on the forums, there are forums to put in your input for the new player experience and maps and all the good stuff to let Bombadil know what you might want to see. So that's yeah. pretty much all that was. Links below if the discussion is still open by Monday. Please take part of it. Discuss. Discuss. Discuss it all. Yes. Yeah. And then regarding Macron, we've got a tiny breadcrumb from Twitter. Uh, Russ has been tweeting some tiny breadcrumbs. Uh, one of them is they're talking about the cadet fix much earlier. Uh, we're not quite certain what it means. Presumably the um, fix that new cadets should be placed in tier 4.5 rather than in tier 3. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Maybe there's going to be something. Maybe not. We'll do an update soon. Also... 
there was a No Guts, No Galaxy episode 217. That's a little old at this point, but mm -hmm. uh, in that, um, the topic of the PSR, changing it from uh, new players going to PSR 3 to 4.5, and Bombadil brought up that, yep, this is totally something we brought to the team, but there were some people who said, oh, you know, we don't really want to do that because of the possibility of griefers. And so they say that they want to do a systematic analysis of all the um, hold on, hold on, of all hold the on, data hold on, hold on. to see whether it's worth doing this change. I think it'd be good to see it. Hey, it, mom, you how know. you doing? Oh, okay, I'm mom. doing a podcast. Okay, that'll be fine. Like basically, I'll I'll I'll, I'll talk to you later about it. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. Love you too. Okay, bye. Ladies and gentlemen, we're doing it live. We are professionals. Okay. Oh, yeah. Professional this is not going to be cut up at all. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> no, um, but yeah, but like, I think moving them from the current 3 to a 4.5, I, I think I think it'd be good, especially also a lot of the community is just asking for that to happen, honestly. It sounds like such a simple and obvious change that yeah. it just requires a, a simple change of values. Um, I do sort of feel a little that there was a time when there, the game was quite, there was still a fair number of people playing the game. There was a certain population of griefers, but mm -hmm. we're long sort of past that at yeah. this point. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. all the griefers actually pretty much did their thing and now they're off griefing other people, you know, like other yeah, games and stuff like that. They, yeah. Cause they were their team killing and, you know, doing damage to each other and all that. So yeah, I really yeah. have not seen that in at least two no. years, really. I mean, you still get the occasional like uh, uh, douchebag that you know screams over Mike and cries over it, but that's about it, though. But like, mm -hmm. not the griefer griefers like we have before. Mm -hmm. that's good. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Uh, you know, it's good. Good times. Well, it's um just that they're using that as the main reason why to sort of hold off on it and just saying, oh, we're going to spend forever looking into this. What the community proposed as a simple fix, mm -hmm. and um, I think you know my my point has always just been that you you can change the starting um psr but also it's built to be zero sum and yeah. that will mean slowly over time if you're relying on new blood uh the total psr in the player base has always sort of been dragged towards not the middle but towards the bottom which is uh just how things are implemented if you only change the starting point mm -hmm. yeah okay but yeah, it, 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 it's PGI going to PGI things, and it's an interesting early look. Russ is saying at least hopefully there might be something coming early, but in my head, it's still sort of like, in my head, it's the visual image is sort of Ralph Wiggum just sort of saying, you know, the leprechaun tells me to burn things. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, uh, yep, PGI is going to PGI. The community will come forward with a reasonable suggestion, and then PGI will listen to the leprechaun and tell us whether they approve or disapprove of the idea and we'll just get a weird twisted <laughs> contortion at the end that is according to their own whims but, yeah, but hopefully when this podcast comes out it'll be the first week of december and i do want to mention it's kind of get, skipping ahead a little bit but on no actually yeah tuesday but um on the uh, december 1st there will be a dev vlog so oh, really? Okay. Up, yes, that may actually come up during that. So we'll have to keep an eye out. So the yeah. day after this podcast comes out, there will be a vlog. Okay. Let's check that out then. Wording, interesting. A vlog rather than a dev vlog. Yeah. So dev update. Yeah. So he's going to just walk around Vancouver with his camera. <laughs> I really like that. Yeah. Just 
cheeky cam holding okay. his... so, so this is Ralph Wiggum, so it could just involve video footage and just be a devlog anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but Mercury Online uh, got a Solaris 7 Season 11 kickoff. Yep, just the usual stuff with one mm -hmm. major exception. Um, due to budget constraints, they're cutting the custom Warhorns out of the season reward. So every season had as a reward, I believe, a custom Warhorn that's basically just the number of the season or something like that. Yeah. And that's getting cut. I'm honestly not even sure if you get something else in exchange, but looking at these rewards, they like if if Solaris was a live game mode, I would play it for those rewards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're getting That's decent MC there and GXP too. Well, just like logging on, you pretty much get bit the MC and two million C bills just for mm -hmm. one match. So I at mean, least, uh, in the in the bullet points, they do at least acknowledge this is a, what the least played mode in MWO, and there is a small certain uh, cadet that oh, okay, do play yeah. for these rewards. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, they are cutting back on the amount of work they're putting into them and even talking about perhaps next year doing seasonal rewards, but for perhaps modes that aren't the least played in the game. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. That'd be nice. Well, the, um, like I think Darren was talking about, um, uh, yeah, doing special, special things for that and special things for uh, um, community warfare. You know, basically only having that out for that. But uh, like, I'm sure there's a, a player base that actually would not like that at all. But mm -hmm. I, I don't know. Like, um, like I think Slurs definitely they should change it to a special seasonal thing, and that's it. You know, it's only going to be used for this month, and that's it. You know, or something like that, because no one really plays it like anymore. Just yeah, that's it, a whole different discussion, though. For now, yeah, um, it breaks up the, the getting somewhat hot, so. Bit less um, a funny little twist is this is what the first real sort of change to MWO after they've come back. They're cutting Warhorn content. <laughs> Not a good sign. The arrival of MacBlogger Online, episode 4.5. The mm. yeah. inviteable cuts. Yes. But anyway, so okay. besides that, what else we got going on yeah. for MacBlogger Online? Yeah, one minor thing just to quickly mention there was an event going on, uh, Weekend Warriors and also a sale. And we would just like to say, Good event, good sale. It was yeah. simple. It didn't have any faces. It was just useful stuff. Um, an event that was uh, accomplishable in a single day. So, yeah, decent enough stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the Black on. Friday sale, fifty percent off all mechs, all engines, all weapons. You don't have to get up, get the spreadsheet to figure out what's on sale. Everything yeah. is. And a one day. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, oh. and the event was quite nice as well. Just play each weight category, get, you know, 2 million uh, C-Bills and 100 MC each weight category. And there's premium time at the very start. Very good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, not bad. Yep. Good stuff. All right, Macro Online, um, it's still the long wait. Hopefully next week is going to be much more exciting. Presumably not, though. Presumably we're going to have to wait a bit longer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're Moving on to the to... Um, actual big topics. MacWare 5 got a major, major announcement that coincides with our next topic. But for now, let's talk purely about what has been going on with MacWare 5. And I just need a dreaded name. Cyberpunk 27.7. I don't blame them for this delay. That, that is a massive game that also yeah. got delayed by like, what, like a month? And it just happened yeah. to coincide with the... Yeah, I Mac do not 5 blame games. them for delaying... Yeah. From away from the launch of Cyberpunk at all. 
Yeah, <laughs> it I... would uh, just be so freaking hilarious if Cyberpunk delayed again. <laughs> And they and landed the in the relief window of the new day. That would be so, <laughs> so stupid. Oh, God. But, but anyway, yeah. they're playing not only Macquarie 5, uh, Steam launch, and the uh, DLC. They're also expanding on it and doing something else. So Macquarie 5 is going to be released on Steam and GOG um, early 2021. I think they said first quarter, but no specific month yet. Mm -hmm. uh, same time as their DLC because they kind of go uh, alongside. And there's one big news. Jamma Boy is really excited about this, by the way. Who uh, did Wolves? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, he is, is so excited. excited. <laughs> Macro 5 is going to come to the Xbox. Which yeah, going honestly console. makes total sense because yeah. the Xbox is a PC. And mm -hmm. knowing Microsoft, it's probably mostly the same operating system. And MacWare already has support for gamepads. So why wouldn't you release it on Xbox? Yeah. So yeah, makes total sense. MacWare is going to be an Xbox. Yeah. <laughs> I love this. I, I do love this little jab right here. The first true MacWare experience ever on a console. That mm. is so hilarious. That's true. a big, uh, oh, big stretch. fan base. <laughs> yeah, because this will be the first MacWare title on a console since 2004's MechAsault 2. And in our opinion, oh, our it's our opinion. opinion. Uh, I'm Twitter hasn't exploded yet. Shots fired. Yeah, the big time. But like, I, I mean, it's gonna do well. Uh, you know, especially for mech, a mecha game on Xbox. I mean, come on, especially on the on the Xbox One. That'd be crazy mm -hmm. cool. MechWarrior 5, I mean, come on, that'd be really nice. That'd be a lot of money that they're going to go make. At least make. as it is, the idea is that um, you releasing on Steam, releasing the DLC, and now releasing on, on Xbox and everything else, you might as well have all your marketing affect possibly all these yeah. platforms. Yep. So, yeah. yeah, it makes complete sense to delay, and it makes complete sense to add more with more time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm excited for this launch. Um Especially given our next topic, I have high hopes for this particular launch. And like, I, I have no idea what's going to happen, but I kind of just expect something to explode on that day. <laughs> Whether it's the uh, player numbers or the servers, something's going to explode. Yeah. It's going to get him on the map, though. You know, Xbox is a huge community. So it's definitely going to get him back on the map instead of like, oh, look at that PGI company. And so now it's like, oh, man, Equator 5, let's go play this. This seems mm -hmm. cool. And I can play with my friends on, on Steam or, or whatever, too. With their ties with Microsoft, they just need to try and bundle MechWarrior 5 with Excel. Uh, you can make mega money that way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, so Xbox release um, makes total sense. I'm a tiny bit concerned uh, whether the MechWarrior 5 balance, as it is right now, translates properly to a gamepad-only experience. Mm. Then again, I've, you can use mouse and keyboard for an Xbox if you really wanted to. Um, we'll see what the reception is on Xbox. Simple change. Uh, now, this won't uh, necessarily be how the leprechaun t speaks to them, but a simple change is just make the enemies less accurate on a console. That way they have more time okay. to engage the enemy. Yeah, maybe. I don't think there's going to be something like a game assist. Most console games have, have um, uh, aim assist, not game assist. No, what yeah. they should do is do Steel Battalion and, and basically like have that big ass controller. That's what Giant they should do. Keyboard. I mean, like, yeah. 
joystick controller. Yeah, that's what they should do, man. I, I mean, I still want to see that uh, Hota system they designed like years back with the integrated uh, display mm-hmm. where you yeah, put right. online map. Yeah, I was I that. That was really cool. I really would have loved to buy that. Yeah. yeah, I would buy that, man. Shit, that'd be great. The uh, yeah, with the foot pedals and everything, with the two joysticks and the eject button, like thing. Yeah, that's what they need. And with the delay, they're also um having more time to add improvements to quality of life and tune the balance and all that good things. Um. Again, we will see how it pans out. And I'm sure we're going to get some more info on that come yeah. early 2021. Yeah, yeah. So, the really big news of the week, though, and the main reason why a lot of this is happening, maybe even why the whole Wire of Micro Online is happening at all, Pyrona Games has also been acquired by EG7. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're going to talk about this Palmer and Death in just a second. So yep. only to get through the update from PGI side. Um, well, honestly, there's just a bunch of marketing in here. Like we're gonna at the very bottom relationship. Very bottom, they talk about MWO. I know at least that's worth touching on. Yeah, yeah. it says it won't affect any of the MechWare Online development or planning, really, which is good. Well, like most of the time when companies acquire another company, they do the voodoo that you do, we'll kind of support you a little bit, and that's it. Yeah, And then they'll just do whatever they got to do and just make us money type thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, so that's fine. And that's what they do normally, so. Yeah, so let's talk about um, the acquisition. I'm going to open the yeah. press release from the uh, buyer company, mm-hmm. which is a lot of technical stuff. Um, yeah. Now, before so we what is, this, yeah, what is say, what is yeah, let's start with that. A gaming fellowship with global reach. So, <laughs> HG7 is a um, Swedish company uh, located in Stockholm. They're basically a sort of gaming conglomerate. You can kind of imagine Tencent on a much, much smaller scale, mm-hmm. uh, based in Sweden rather than uh, China. They are focusing on basically buying up small studios. Currently, they have a lot of indie and like, I don't want to say low quality, but uh, small budget developers, game developers. And they're slowly moving towards acquiring bigger and bigger and bigger independent game studios to build their empire of uh, gaming. And they're supporting this this group with um, a unified marketing strategy and stuff like that. So they're basically a publisher slash game owner. A more than a game developer company. So yeah, they own ten companies. They have a bunch of titles. They have employees. They have developers. Yeah. What are some of the titles that they so, actually did? Let's see if I can find these. Because I know there's one studio that does the the uh, zombie oh, franchise yeah. and uh, sniper oh, elite yeah. and stuff. Oh, zombie army. Yeah. Zombie army. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. one of the biggest studios. Apparently, yeah. My Singing Monsters is one of the biggest hits. I have no, I've never heard of this. What? <laughs> My Singing, what, the Project IGI? Okay. Overcooked is a game you probably heard over. Never heard of it. That's a little out of my uh, comfort zone. I, I can't play those uh, types of Overcooked games. Overcooked is, I think, an indie game where you, um, 
top-down control a western style thing that's really stressful and you have up to two players and you need to coordinate task and run away. so Gordon Ramsay right a uh, Gordon Ramsay uh, game I'm thinking more like cooking mama it, it's a cooperative cooking game so you know uh, you, it, it's um all of you running around you know delivering the plates to different cooking stations and such because obviously each stage takes a different amount of time and you can also have funny things where players are isolated into certain areas mm. so you know like um one player might take a dish you know a, a dirty dish from the front of the store but the the washing sinks are at the back but there's something in the way so they have to leave the dirty dishes in the middle leaving the player to you know on the other side to pick up the plates and take them to the washing machine and back okay sniper uh, i've seen i've seen that game actually yeah. so it, so they are working together with a lot of uh, well, more well-known studios like uh, the guys from Sniper Elite. Um, Planet Coast is obviously yeah. fairly big, and this game looks like it's going to be fairly big. Um, they're working together with those to do marketing, so this is more of a publisher relationship. And then for actual ownership, they own uh, mostly indie studios and indie licenses. Okay. And now they're the going to thing... own the five-year Maguire license from PGI. Yeah, big thing as well is that... Um... They don't just act simply as a publisher. They are buying up these studios wholesale. And part of with uh, how they bought PGI, they are buying 100% of the shares, two-thirds of which are they are paying with cash, and one-third, roughly or there or so, they are paying with shares for their own company, with EG7 shares. So for if you're a Russ or somebody else who's got stock in uh, Piranha Games, you get a whole bunch of cash, but you're also getting a whole bunch of shares in this company. So you're hoping that, you know, being acquired, that your company will be able to uh, expand the business, that you have a vested interest. Yeah. 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 There's also a earnout consideration uh, where mm -hmm. if PTI meets certain um, financial goals between now and 2025, there's going to be basically an extra on top for the people who sold PGI. Um, there's a lot of uh, business stuff in here. So if you're interested in the uh, economic side of the sale, it's uh, kind of an interesting thing. A few numbers in here. I found it interesting that uh, they were able to buy straight up 100% of PGI. I honestly didn't expect PGI to have this, um, like a small number of private investors. I expected PGI to have as big a number of private and some of them would refuse to sell. So hmm. as as far as I know, fairly unusual that you can just get 100% of shareholders to sell their shares in a private company. Yeah, but they're very willing to just go ahead with it. Yeah. And yeah. From EG7's perspective, we also have a YouTube video where they talk about um, why they acquired um, PGI and what their plans are going forward. And Again, this is marketing talk mostly. Like this it's is a video really not directed towards us, or well, it's kind of directed towards us. It's, it's investors, a video really. designed yeah. to get people to buy their shares. Yeah, yeah, but and... I think the main bulk that we would be more interested in is is that he does push it up to Russ a little bit. So they did a segment from Russ, I believe, out there like PGI Studio area. It's like a open room where he's just talking to the camera about MechWarrior 5, MechWarrior Online, and pretty much what they've done. 
Yeah, well, this can get in the whole story just of the question of how will this affect PGI? How has PGI acted in the past and how will they act in the future? Yeah. Uh, big thing, of course, with even just with Russ here and in their presentations is they're saying, oh, you know, we've turned over lots of money in the last year because obviously they had like still MWO running, but also plenty of uh, trailing sales from MechWarrior 5. Mm -hmm. uh, a big feature that they often show is the glowing reviews from like IGN and PC mm. Gamer, MechWarrior yeah. 5. So you know, the, the preponderance of instead of making a good game, but making one that will be well received by, you know, the likes of IGN is why do you do that? Well, it sells really well to investors who aren't really in touch with gaming, but they are in touch with just simple, you know, 81%. Okay, that, that's a that's a recognized as a proper good game. So yeah. it works really well just, you know, selling your company off as a, as a bigger margin yeah. and all that. And I guess moving kind of on into this uh, concerns and hopes for the future kind of topic, um, we really don't yet know what direction this is going to take because we, again, don't have a like large official statement. We don't yet know how involved they're going to be with marketing, all those things. Like right now, it could go either way. Obviously, mm -hmm. this presentation is talking about making money. So mm -hmm. if you're a... MacWare online fan who watches this video, chances are really good you're taking away. Oh my god, this company just wants to make the most money. Uh, this is scary for MacWare online. But then again, this video isn't meant for the MacWare online community. So it's really so, hard yeah. to take away a direction, is my take. Well, what what yeah. is Russ mm -hmm. selling Piranha Games as? He's selling it as, hey, we have a long-running free-to-play MMO that has been quite successful. Uh, we have, you know, a well-reviewed by IGN game, you know, that's come out recently. You know, both of these they're claiming will continue to make money and are going to go on, on the up and up, you know, with the release of DLC and with MWO is obviously they're having the whole, um, you know, re revitalized support recently. And the biggest extra piece of news that is available in this video is him talking about they are going to start their own original new IP, which mm -hmm. implies there's going to be a new uh, free-to-play online live service. Yeah, there's no information just yet. He did just tease it, but hopefully we'll find out. I don't know when we're going to find out, but once it does, or, or once we do find out, we'll let you know. Find out in the blue. Yeah. Yeah. He'll, he'll just pop it out there. We're finding out, we're finding out on release. Yeah. With uh, PGI, they are saying that, hey, we're what, what one of the oldest studios in Canada. Like, you know, they've been going for 20 years or so. And they have a lot of experienced personnel. Like, there's, mm -hmm. we've actually been able to see from the sales thing, what is it? It's uh, like 65 employees working at PGI. And the whole yeah. thing was sold for, what, 40 million or so? Uh, I thought it was like 35 or something like that, but... I ranked it I also up. remember it's a uh, Canadian donor. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so it's like twelve bucks then, right? I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but remember, Prana Games is being seen as a triple A game developer, yeah. according to yeah. their uh, PowerPoint. Apparently. Let me find that slide. Yeah, yeah. Triple A. You put it as a double A, triple A, and they're yeah, being, right in the and, and their double department a, is solely a. video game development. Nothing else. So. Well, it, it's in the category of indie A, AA, and then AAA. So I, I don't know if that's. No, no, no. no. Look. If you look at the middle column, they're only. Middle column is only Piranha. Oh, yes. whoa. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So then on the very far left, the whole entire global network here is game development services, marketing, publishing, all of that. So Piranha Games being brought in, they're, they could be just a game developer. So 
my hope kind of this is maybe like a slight silver lining to it to it is that this eg7 has um that one division called petrol where petrol is nothing but their marketing team and i know we really didn't go through it um you know through you know through their portfolio whenever we were scrolling through their games but ian you stopped right before the games that petrol helped in terms of marketing mm-hmm. and they and they have some pretty big names um in their portfolio when it comes to petrol and marketing actually so they got like yeah like destiny, destiny 2. 2 wow call of, duty. call of duty's in here yeah. assassin's creed valhalla which is a brand new just came out we had a ton of marketing i've seen online yeah you need to you need to remember though no, uh we have contributed in this a really long i know which i don't know what that means for them so i don't know if they're gonna allow petrol to to help pj with marketing which would be great if i they think were, they would though yeah they they're going to be able to make use of their expertise yeah. they own petrol the the thing with um, these big games is obviously it's not just that they're a big game. It, well, the big game means they have a big budget. Mm-hmm. And even if you're the tiniest indie game, it doesn't mean you're going to have the same marketing budget as something like Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Yeah. But even still, like, I mean, my point is that PGI has had no marketing. At least they could have some, some marketing. marketing, possibly. There will be expertise available on the table for yes. uh, things, particularly their newest venture, you know, the new IP. When that mm-hmm. comes out, obviously there will be a proportional amount of marketing along with it, and they'll have some proper hands behind the wheel, yeah. at least yeah. when they're yeah. now tied with a publisher. And that's the thing that's, that's going to be nice, is that they can have some, basically what you said, a proper direction with it, instead of just, we're just going to put out a forum post. Like with MechWarrior 5, when they were, you know, working on the game, they just released ra- some random videos of somebody playing the game where they just wiggled mm-hmm. their arms around a lot and such. Yeah, I remember <laughs> and, that. Was, yeah. And it was, it was kind of interesting. But yeah, we they didn't have very much in the way of actual trailer stuff. No. Uh, yeah, so... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it, it's a funny double-edged sword, at least one thing, at least I would say, using precedent, so to speak, you know, looking back in history, do you guys remember the last time PGI was with yeah. a publisher? Yeah. That well, was my first comment. Which, um, which one was it? Infinite Games Publishing. Mm. IGP. Remember the, the company uh, was blamed for everything that went wrong with Macware Online in the early days? I mm. rarely recall that, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So early days of MWO, uh, according to at least uh, developers and Russ, they, you know, they were working with a publisher. Um, so the, the publisher said, oh, we want to rush the game out in like six months. You have to make a minimum viable product. And at least, at least as far as I'm aware that, you know, P- PGI had to then suddenly scramble and just make use of a game engine and rewrite a whole bunch of code and throw something together that kind of works. Other obvious touches of IGP was, hey, we want money. Sell gold mechs. Gold mechs were you know, <laughs> at the hand of the uh, publisher. Uh, other things, I think, you know, um, MWO quite quickly rushed towards getting clan mechs. You know, they weren't mm-hmm. fleshing out the inner sphere experience. They jumped into clan mechs because, well, clan mechs is obviously, there's a lot of people talking about clans. That's where money is. But 
obviously rushing into making a game, rushing into make, adding clans into the game, added huge technical problems that they had never necessarily even been able to ever fix. That even nowadays, you still hear people complaining about clan versus IS uh, balance, like in regards to engines and things. Yep. And there's still spaghetti code behind the wheel that causes lots of crashes and things because, well, this whole game was built in a rush because... Um, it wasn't done from a creative pers uh, perspective. It's done from just a pure money-making perspective. And from the publisher's perspective, at least with IGP, uh, they p rushed MWO out the door because they knew the, the name would sell and they didn't care about the gameplay. Yep. Mm -hmm. Also yeah. remember MechWare Tactics. MechWare Tactics? Yeah, it's that, that's remember. a while ago, actually. Um, MechWare Tactics was basically a one-on-one tabletop adaptation in a video browser video game. Uh, its main selling feature for a for the publisher where you bought, you didn't just buy mechs and configure them, you bought cards, like literally trading cards. And mm. those could be mechs or equipment, and then you needed to open card packs in order to gain equipment, in order to equip the mechs you got from your card packs. And then you played against uh, other lenses in a like tabletop, straight up tabletop adaptation. Oh. And yeah. it wasn't a bad game. IMO, I actually enjoyed it for a bit. The free-to-play experience was fine. However, it was a very obvious money grab. You had to spend a lot of money if you wanted to actually play the game. Mm -hmm. And the worst thing about it is um, they had the same founder system as Macro Online did. But the game just vanished at some point. They mm -hmm. took yeah. the servers offline and no one ever heard of it ever again. And it was quite literally a cash grab. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, that type of marketing or that type of like um, money making business plan. Yeah, business plan is I, I I haven't seen it actually in most games except for probably Magic the Gathering where you open up packs, you get the rare uncommons and all that kind of stuff. I haven't really seen that type of thing do well online. Like, let's you know prove me wrong though, but like I'm literally every other one that's been like that has either foundered or actually um, switched their 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 business plan to something else to make money wise. Uh, I don't know if there's any game out there. Do you guys uh, know of any game? Yeah, yeah, gacha games. All of the uh, Japanese and the Asian games. Well, they that's all have... that's different though. That's that's over. You know, but well, that's there's, there's the season concept. passes. You know, in the Western market, but they always change it though. Cosmetic items and things like you know the more recent Call of Duties. You have to so you know weapons and cosmetics and everything is locked behind random loot boxes. Mm -hmm. There's a whole bunch of monetization and but there's a uh, big, things haven't gotten better. But there's a big um, like um, fuss about that, paywall. though. Like, Yeah, paywall type mm -hmm. thing. There's a big fuss about that type of uh, business plan, though. Like, I know fuss, Star Wars it, had the same thing, too. That is the prevailing models. Yeah. And it, ultimately, yeah. at least, a publisher is wanting to push towards the prevailing models that get the most money. Oh, yeah. They have at least found that the right balance is that you want to make a game that keeps people around for a while so that your whales and recurrent spenders you know, stick around. They yeah. don't mm -hmm. cash it all out in just a few months. You want to cash out over a couple of years of endurance. The... Um, we're getting ahead of ourselves, at least with we you know, we we, yeah. we don't know necessarily how EG7 will really handle the MechWarrior properties, yeah. and that will only really time will really only tell. Um, and as far as we can sort of tell, it, it is that they probably like 
Uh, they're going to put down some money saying, okay, you can keep doing MechWarrior 5 DLC, see if you can make more money from that game. You support MWO a bit, you know, see if you can make more money from that game. But we're also going to put a whole bunch of cash and we're going to have a new original IP. And that will be, you know, under the, a lot more of their creative control in regards to how it's monetized. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. what I was saying was okay. in the past was that... Um, PGI had a terrible time with publishers in the past that were wanting to milk money for a very short-term profit, and they, they were producing an even more terrible product than they're usually doing. <laughs> um, so they took, you know, they took control of the entire IP. They split off from the publisher. It was a huge, you know, difficult divorce. But um, you know, the people at Russ and at PGI, they really wanted to have control over these mech games to make mech games, and that's what they've been doing for you know what well, quite some time now um but as as we can obviously tell mwo is on the tail end of its life and you know that it wasn't making a return on investment with mech packs so they have to do something else they do MechWarrior 5 that probably didn't really pan out too well if they're looking for a publisher at least if you're pgi and you love creative control why give it up well it's because you're in a bit of a rut you need some help yeah Fine. The yeah. same reason yeah. they went with the Epic exclusive sale, even though they knew they would piss off a lot of their community. Yeah. But mm -hmm. they got to stay afloat somehow. And yeah. at least, I mean, granted, I could make fun of the EG7 video of the guy talking business and doing PowerPoint slides and all that. But at least they have some sort of like, you know, like vision, I can say. Plan. That they yeah. plan ahead. Yeah. Of you know, and yes, they are going to want to make money, as all companies do. But at least this one has some sort of like goal or a look ahead to what they want to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I was looking at that video as from the view of a potential investor because yeah. I am very interested in uh, investing in a variety of like, mm -hmm. gaming specific companies, and like the video honestly convinced me. Like EG7 as a company has a plan that I agree with, mm -hmm. and I do think they're going to do well in the coming years. However, that does not mean anything related uh, to PGI as a part of that big company. And that's always important to keep in mind. If you look at stuff from EG7, Macro Online is going to be a very small part of that big group. Yeah. Yeah. The IPs are valuable and they will gain those and perhaps maybe do something with them in future. Who knows? Um, but yeah, it, it, as it is, it's just... Um, you know, by grouping together all of these different companies, they can be stronger together than they are in as individual little companies. That mm -hmm. if you spend forever developing a game and it doesn't really work out, which, you know, often like nine out of 10 times it won't, uh, you don't have to tear apart the whole company and it's over. But sometimes, you know, you're making this obscure, like, you know, zombie survival game thing, and then it becomes Fortnite. You know, you just never know which games are going to explode and which ones are just going to kind of paddle along. And so there's strength in Unity that, you know, having all these different companies together, you know, they have a marketing wing, you know, that can help whichever company happens to be make, releasing a game right then. And they have a lot of expertise that can be shared between companies. This means on the, on the whole, at least PGI can, can feel a, at least you can feel a bit more safe and secure. Um, the downside though is at least um, you are only one small organ as a part of a larger organism. And if you are not profitable or not really working out very well, they don't really see any real reason in continuing it. As a single company, 
your only hope is to keep supporting MWO and make MWO something uh, worthwhile and successful. If you're part of a big conglomerate, if MWO is losing lots of money, who cares about passion? It's losing you money. Shut down the servers. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Okay. Well, at least oh. in that case, it, it might put some pressure on them to make some good content, you know? Well, the tone at the top is obviously often very much very strongly set by the publisher. You have mm -hmm. all the additional resources and help and experience people uh, marketing and everything else by your side. You know, legal is a lot easier when you know, everyone can turn to the same legal team. Um, but PGI will not, con they do not own the intellectual property anymore. They can't just work on this as a labor of love. Um, they may be expected to lend a lot of their expertise to other people's projects if their projects aren't working very well. Mm -hmm. You know, so we really like what is it? Um, the guy who does the visuals uh, for MWO. Oh, yeah. Uh, Chris Matt. Chris Laurie. Uh, no, Laurie? not Chris Laurie. Laurie? No. I know who you mean. Um, Matt Newman. Newman. Yeah, Matt Newman. Matt Newman. Okay. Yeah. He does some good visuals. Well, um, he could do some great visuals for some other com you know, uh, other uh, projects that are out there. And so mm -hmm. we might just suddenly see no more events coming out, <laughs> no more visuals <laughs> for MWO, because, well, his talents are much more useful elsewhere. Yeah. Um, Time will tell. Yeah. Okay. Time will tell. Time will tell. And I think as the community, it's our responsibility right now to not jump to any conclusions right now. We have been burned in the past. We might be burned again. We don't know. Let's wait and see before we. Um, I, don't, I don't see it as a burn, though. I, I see more of just like, you know, they're getting more help, which is fine. You know, like, I, I really don't see that as a burn. Uh, no, they, I am definitely referring to IGP. We have been burned in the past. Okay, okay. Yeah. 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 Um, in my head, a little bit, it's along the lines of okay, there's 65 employees. We're going to set like 50 of them on the new project. We're going to send 10 of them to work on MechWarrior 5 DLC and five of them to work on MWO. And the idea is all of these different groups are trying to aim for growth. I know that's that's just me shooting a shot wildly in the dark, but that was roughly how I'd allocate them employees, that you're staking a lot on this new game. Uh, that's the biggest thing you could sell to your publisher friends up above. Mm -hmm. You know, like I like this game developer called Antimatter Games. That's such a cool name. I love that name. <laughs> Sorry. So yeah, I'm I'm with Biden. My biggest fear as well is that this new I, uh, IP is going to draw away too many resources for MacWarrior Five, especially like MacWarrior Online. It wasn't a back burner, and I never expected MacWarrior Online to go back to like 40, 50 devs. Um, yeah, no, MacWarrior no. <laughs> 5, Five is currently their big title, which does have 40, 50 people working on it out of their mm -hmm. 60, mm -hmm. and yeah. We don't yet know anything. So. I, I'm wondering, in a way, is uh, MechWarrior 5 launches and the updates and such are quite slow, and this DLC isn't actually that spe spectacular, at least in my view. I wonder how many people have been working on this new IP uh, for quite some time. Because uh, yeah. for me, at least, if you see the sales after a couple of weeks, you're like, well, we can't have everybody work on MechWarrior 5. The DLCs just won't make the money back. So we'll need something new and we'll need to sell to a publisher. And that's where they've been moving. Yeah. Also keep in mind, um, EG7 is a publicly traded company. Uh, PGI was a privately traded company. So this uh, sale has been in the works for a long time. It mm. takes time to convince all of those private shareholders to sell their shares. Hmm. 
so so like pretty much knew about it beforehand and i just bring it out like this now i think uh, you can actually check up the shares and buy the shares of eg7 they're like a swedish company yeah. so they're on the mm-hmm. swedish stock exchange and yeah, how much are the shares share, uh, eg7 is a publicly traded company yeah. and, uh, and how much Wait, are the shares um let's see that was one of the links i had to open earlier the consideration shares are 85.32 per yeah Okay. So shares are currently at uh, this looks wrong. Um, at eighty something. Okay. And what I found interesting is how the shares exploded in yeah twenty twenty. Yeah, they've really grown there. Yeah, yeah that's pretty huge. Actually, uh, jump about four hundred percent. That's close to Tesla. Hmm. Yeah, they have um liquidated. Uh, they have like what was it three hundred million or so in their money uh, in liquid cash. So. That's what they're using it to buy up companies. And that was uh, stated in their uh, talks with shareholders and such. Cool. Cool. Well, I would invest in that company, I guess. G7. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe. I mean, I think yeah. on the Look. first glance, I would say it's currently at a height. You might want to wait and see if it goes down a bit further. Uh, They'll keep growing when they acquire more companies. The the share price you're really going to see growth in when you know one of their they they release a hit game and that game you know yeah. turns a crazy amount on investment and we don't know what piranha is has in the works and we don't know too much about the other companies right now obviously don't take financial advice from us personally i'm like 70 percent convinced that right now would be a good time to invest in that company if you're into it um but yeah okay yeah okay. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> i think we've spent the last 30 minutes uh basically saying yeah. that we don't know anything yet <laughs> so, we, so we might want to move on to our next topic okay. at this point so, <laughs> all right so i think that's pretty much all we had from eg7 right yeah okay there, uh, there's not so much to touch on other than just their business plan and what kind yeah. of culture we have from them. And since none of us are really that involved with other things, you know, prior game, titles from EG7, we can't say how they act as a publisher without looking into things more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we would have to do a lot of research to really get into EG7 as a company. And they're um, quite a new company. They're only like a couple of years old. Yeah, I mean, look mm-hmm. at the age of the CEO. That's always a good indication as to how old and experienced the company is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's just hope, um, you know, Piranha Games, VGI, in some ways, they don't go the way of what a lot of companies under EA God. <laughs> or Microsoft had to yeah. go. Yeah. Okay. Moving okay. on to, to uh, some topics that we do actually have info about. Um, yeah. Jumping back to the Battletech Clan Invasion Kickstarter for a second. And there are recent update. There were some news in here. Like this little picture, some of you may or may not find exciting. So for the guys listening to the audio-only version, I'm showing the current update for the uh, Clan Invasion Kickstarter, where they shared some exciting news about models. Um, apparently, two of the most noteworthy people um, in Catalyst... I don't... There we go. Brett Evans. Uh, I didn't want to take out the non- wrong way name here. Brett, Brent Evans and Lane Lee Perdot are teaming up to create a new company based in the US to produce unassembled miniatures. As far as I'm aware, uh, Bob, correct me if I'm wrong, unassembled miniatures 
has been something that existed from the um okay. metal uh, yeah. metal tech uh, the metal model set unassembled mm -hmm. ones with like multiple arms yeah for, yeah um you had to buy like an make... extra pack you know something like that like an extra pack has yeah. like extra lasers flying around unassembled because i find them really interesting yeah and they're looking to create something similar but this time in plastic so far more affordable mm -hmm. where you can for example, by uh, this kit shown here, which is would be a storm crow, which features obviously the body, the legs, and then for each arm, multiple variants. So you can configure it not only on paper, but also the model and put on the mm -hmm. arm weapons you actually want to feel, which is cool. Yeah, it's uh, really cool because at that point, you, at that point, you can really customize your character to what you have on paper. Yeah, I like yeah. that. The yeah. noteworthy thing here, it's going to be a US-based company, which I think is mostly novel for the Battletech franchise. So hopefully uh, low shipping costs for you guys in the US and hopefully high quality that you can buy really soon. And also, mm -hmm. this should be the only thing where you can buy single necks in packs. That'd be um, cool. stated before that... Um, they're not really looking to sell single max as packs because that's not really profitable for them. In this case, you can buy single max. Mm -hmm. Well, that's cool. Like and a... they're going to be starting with the Stormcrow TC and the clan version of the Black Knight. Uh, never mind, the clan buster version of the Black Knight. Okay. So it's, they're going to be <laughs> focused on the Battle of Tugrate. Yeah, cool. By the way, Battle of Tugrate just had a big release. And if you're a uh, clan invasion backer, you got most likely the uh, campaign book for free. So check your mails and redeem that one. It's really good. Okay. Yeah, this is uh, quite interesting, at least uh, particularly since you know um, this company will be designed to the mind of delivering these miniatures. I my my vague guess is at least that this Kickstarter was so successful, at least that they could use the money to, you know, they got from this to invest into you know hard capital. Um, mm -hmm. you know, the machines and whatnot to actually serve this base much more appropriately than waiting for, you know, doing the whole thing. We're getting the right production line and uh, uh, schedule in China to produce the stock models and having to buy them in large uh, bundles. So who knows? Hopefully uh, economies of scale, at least a smaller economy of scale here will pay off, but only time will yep. tell. Can you click in on, on, um, the, um, on, on, on the one with all the different parts that are still have uh, uh, fluff on them? Yeah, just like a zoom in a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I just uh, want to see what that... Test print. So yeah, one of the pictures on the Kickstarter is a test print, 3D print. Okay, okay. Looks... That would be a pain oh, in the ass to clean up, though, man. Test print. Um, but yeah, 3D printing is one of those big advancements that makes stuff like this possible because you don't mm -hmm. need a big in, uh, production line. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Though, from the update, it did look like they're looking on to do uh, the classic injection mold for plastic rather than 3D printing all the parts. Yeah. So... Presumably, they're hoping to sell a large quantity of these. Mm, okay. Cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward mm. to this, especially since uh, Blaine is involved. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was mm -hmm. surprised to see a novel author involved in a mini <laughs> yes. production company. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. So now, so now how is Blaine involved in this? Potentially, we could get him back on a podcast, Bob, if you want to yeah. shoot an email. I would oh. love to talk to him about this. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, come on. That'd be, that'd be definitely. Uh... A thing to go have have them on for. Come on, Blaine, you're making mechs now. You're making parts. That's very Blaine, interesting. I need it. Why? Yeah, <laughs> yeah like because because it just oh, says in Blaine. the update, it just says 
uh, author Blaine Lee have teamed up to embark on a massive venture creating new plastic minis. Like, that is really cool. But yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah. The, the other one is an art director as well. Like, both aren't necessarily, you know, yeah. sitting there in the production lines, usually, anyway. But their talent, though, that the they have. Director, and, they probably have uh, and they probably have Blaine, who's giving the information of, like, this mech would have this component, and that mech would have that component, and then probably it's probably more like Blaine is like a consultant of like what mechs have what. Who knows? I think though, at least for these two being the two uh, head names, they are you know they're the ones who are putting in the investments. They're going to mm -hmm. be in charge. Yeah, basically. That's great. Yeah, actually, it's great. You know, yeah, definitely a good choice. Like we can trust that those miniatures are going to be lower accurate, and we can trust that they're going to look good and fit in the model line we already have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So all around exciting news. It's a great time to be a Battletech fan. And speaking of great time to be a Battletech fan, I don't know why I clicked the link again. It's the same link. Um, two weeks left. If you're listening to this podcast and you still want to change anything about your Wave 2 order of the Clan Invasion Kickstarter, um, it closes on December 15th. So we have until September, December 15th to get in your final order for Clanovation Wave 2. Okay. After that, it's going to be gone. And I highly recommend checking in. They have added some stuff very stealthily. For example, there's a recognition poster and a lot of small stuff, plus some big stuff we talked about in past episodes. So take another look, confirm everything is set, send out your survey, and soon, my mm. friends, mm -hmm. soon, we're going to have everything. And I, I don't have the space for everything I bought. So <laughs> you gotta get more shelves. I know. I'll need more shelves. Um, Lars, Lars, did you actually get some of the Battletech stuff? Yeah, no, I, I, I didn't get the pre, the pre-release stuff or anything like that, but I did get like the main first like box set. Oh, okay. Okay. Get, yeah. Yeah. Have you played I it yet? Uh, you know what? The funny thing is, I got it, and then my friends and I were gonna meet up. And then we kind of like pushed off a little bit because of life. And then 2020 happened and then mm. we just never did it. Yeah. yeah <laughs> but I got true. it. It's, it's downstairs in the basement. You know, <laughs> I I have to say, like when I seen this artwork, though, I mean, it is amazing. The color that they have in this is great compared to the one they actually had beforehand. Did you see the one beforehand? Just it, it looked OK, but this looks beautiful. It was such a, a, a good one there. All of the artwork is great. All of the stories are great. It's really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Battle to Kid. Okay. Yeah. So uh, um, is that it for all of our um, stuff there? You guys want to chime in on something? I'm just going to say 15 bucks gets you, uh, if you are not part of the Kickstarter, 15 bucks gets you the campaign book for the Battle of Tugade which is going to give you hours upon hours of playtime with the Clanovation Kickstarter box set. So I highly recommend picking that one up. It's really good. And the Battle of Tukait is one of the biggest events in the Battletech franchise. So just for that, it's worth having. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'm, it, it'll be some interesting few years to come, at least, um, with... Uh, BGI being snapped up by a bigger developer. They're going to be sticking around for a little while longer. And uh, with this whole new, um, you know, the model making going in America, who knows? The models might be uh, a lot easier for more forthcoming in the future. Uh, I think mm -hmm. they would be. 
I think that I definitely think there will be like getting stuff from China, man. It's really hard to get that stuff. And then, you know, project delays and everything else and COVID happening and who knows, but yeah, it, it's a lot easier to go ahead and have stuff done in your own country than it is to have it done from another country and shipped over. Yep. And uh, us Europeans are going to get the bad end of the stick as always. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually you got 40 yeah. K you have warmer 40 K. Actually, it all uh, depends on the yeah. uh, how well from BattleTech standpoint. It all depends how easily scalable this model production is and where the main markets are. Yeah. I'm pretty sure United States and Europe are the two main markets, predominantly United States, but there's plenty in Europe. So mm. if it's easy enough to relatively easy to set up a 3D um, manufacturing in the United States, they could do it in Europe to expand the business. True. True. And yeah, um, the 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 thing with China at least is you know they are becoming almost like first world they're becoming just as wealthy as we are at least in their main cities and so it you're not actually making uh you, you can't get things as cheap anymore uh you have to and get it's called the middle income trip for those of you who studied economics <laughs> yeah so that's why it's a good time or it's starting to be a good time to start up uh, your, your manufacturing things again using more advanced technologies in europe and united states the whole automation and everything was held back uh, quite a, minute, a number of years because of china but yeah. uh yeah we'll have yeah. to just wait and see okay cool that's all okay see you later bye <laughs> bob, bob is just like i want to go back to bed dude i am <laughs> no no i was sitting there okay okay i'll tell the story afterwards uh, in, in that case uh bob needs his nap he's an old man so ladies and gentlemen thank you very much for listening and watching the first circuit podcast episode number 132 uh we hope you had a great time even though we were mostly speculating today rather than reporting on stuff Yours today included Ida. I'm I'm in my head imagining a sloth, but now it's Ralph Wiggum. Ralph Wiggum. Um, old Pop is asleep. Uh, Lash. Hi. Uh, see you later. I'm also about to pass and out. Interesting. <laughs> bye bye, and see you. See you later. Episode one hundred and thirty-three. <laughs> <See you. laughs>